You are listening to Smaller on the Outside, the first, best, and only Doctor Who podcast that you just can't miss. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and visit our webpage at sotopodcast.wordpress.com. It's called the TARDIS. It can travel anywhere in time and space. And it's mine. Go on, say. Most people do. (laughs) Smaller on the outside. Hey, what's up? And welcome back to Smaller on the Outside, or as I would like to call it, Sotocast. My name is Dave, and I'll be the Time Lord this evening. And with me, as always, is... Andy. Who is... The Companion. Um, So last week, we had such a weird episode because my computer was dead. Actually, it still is. I went out and I uh, purchased a new one. (laughs) Yeah, because that's how you fix a computer. You just ignore it and go buy a new one. Well, I I purchased a new one. (laughs) If I can get the other one to work, then great. I have like a backup computer and everything. But this one has more space and... It's probably not. Is it a as, laptop? Yeah, it's it's not as fast or anything like that, but it's decent enough to do what I need it to do, which is basically write and to do podcasts uh, for most of it, or just browse the internet or something like that. So I now have two computers. So now we can fix this. The only problem is m- the files I have of the podcast uh, and Photoshop files are completely they're completely gone. They're on the other computer. Um, Should always back those up to the cloud. Yeah. Um, which is kind of a hassle uh, because uh, I created the cover art of Smaller on the Outside for all the seasons based on one Photoshop file. And they all look very much the same, just different backgrounds, different things like that. And it would really suck if I had to start over on those because I also write movie reviews on my spare time. And I had to do that for uh, the review posters. And it's just, it's not fun. I have to go on download fonts. I have to really look at what I'm doing. It's just a pain in the butt. And you can never get it perfect either. So, yep. Maybe close, but that's about it. I know what you're talking about. Anyways, today was the, what was it, the 9th? Is it the ninth episode or? Yep. The ninth episode of Doctor Who. Which means there's only three more. That's right. Three more, other than unless you're counting the Christmas special at the end of the year. But that's not technically this season. Uh, yeah, I know, but it, it's... Blu-ray, Blu-ray-wise, it's probably going to be on the next when I, season. When I think Blu-ray. of season or, or part of the series, I think of what's playing that year <laughs> for the most part. Mm. Um, so it's kind of weird. Well, the Blu-ray is gonna the Blu-ray for this season is gonna be out before the Christmas special, so <laughs> yeah, I know. So that it's Christmas weird. special, that Christmas special will be on the next one. Yeah, no, it's kind of weird the way they have it set up, but you know, British. So <laughs> this episode of Doctor Who was entitled Flatline, I believe. Yes. Oh, that can't be good. Something nearby is 
reaching all the external dimensions. Aliens. Possibly. Or what am I kidding? Probably. Whatever they are, they are experiment. They are testing. They are, they are dissecting. Trying to understand us. Trying to understand three dimensions. Life support failing. failing, failing. So what we have here is a very interesting episode. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Uh, I was, I was, when I hear the word flatline, I think of the Kiefer Sutherland movie called Flatliners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought they were going to try to kill each other and experience the afterlife or heaven. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't uh, call it Flatlanders. Flatlanders? Because this – yeah, the, the – I don't know if it's a scientific term, but it's a term a lot of scientists use to – explain what would happen if there was uh two-dimensional creatures they call them flatlanders oh yeah okay <laughs> or flatland or something like that yeah yeah well this episode starts off we have this guy who's frantic he's on the telephone he's like He's figured out what it was. I don't know how he figured out what it was, by the way. But he figured out what this thing is and that it's everywhere and that it's uh, – but we don't know what it is because it's too early to tell us in the show because whatever this thing is swallows the manhole, transporting him into a long smear on the wall. He says he figured out what it was. Yeah, I think so. I thought he was like, I, I figured it out. It's, it's, it's everywhere. It's, it's, and then it got swallowed up into the wall. Um, <laughs> I don't know. And then this episode starts. Um, so on the TARDIS, the doctor, he's pretty much, he, he's wondering why Clara doesn't just move in, seeing how he literally had acres of room in this TARDIS. That's what we've been wondering. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, that's true. Uh, so how many companions um, have actually lived inside? Have it been all of them? Or? Pretty much all of them, as far as I can tell. I mean, other than the ones that just come on once in a while, like uh, like uh, River Song or Captain Jack. Actually, yep. I think Captain Jack actually did live on the TARDIS for a couple episodes oh, in I season one. I didn't even know that. Yeah, he, he came on um, in... In his first episodes, and then he was on for, like, uh, three or four more episodes after that. So, he must have been living there. Ah. Well, um, the doctor uh, leaves Clara where they picked her up-ish, which means the TARDIS itself has shrunken. It was quite literally <laughs> smaller on the outside. These readings are ishy. Um, yeah, they, they walk out of the TARDIS and it's like a midget version of the TARDIS. It's small. Um, yeah. it is actually pretty funny. I was so hoping the doctor would say it was smaller on the outside. I so hoped he would say it. And then we'd, <laughs> and then we'd have an audio clip to play during the intro sequence of this podcast, but it did not happen. Yeah. Um, in fact, they said it's bigger on the inside somewhere in the episode as well, which mm -hmm. I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> um, just by looking at it, it kind of looks like it was smaller on the inside as well. Um, well, it kind of looked like that, but then he said, nope, I'm the same size. Yeah. So Clara tries to figure out stuff, uh, tries to figure out what happened, so she just aimlessly walks off into the distance. 
<laughs> and of course, she finds something out because Doctor Who. Um, and I, I feel I, I first thought she ran into a school, but that's not what was happening. She didn't walk to a school. She walked to um, a group of people that were cleaning up um, graffiti. Basically, community service for yeah. a bunch getting of, caught doing something, you know. Yeah, they had to do the, community service. It's a group of people doing community service, and one of them is a person who is a graffiti artist. A graffiti artist, because that makes a lot. Of, I I guess that makes sense. It makes sense. So basically, he's, he's probably cleaning up all the graffiti that he's created. Ah, uh, no, that's, because he's an he's more of an artist, and the stuff he was doing was more like uh, random. I think his stuff is more like paintings. What he was doing was like gangster stuff. In the beginning, didn't they say that that's your signature or something? Though start there. No, the one guy was saying, "Here's a paintbrush. Now sign your signature because this is yours." But he was basically assuming it was him because he was a graffiti artist. I think mm. it wasn't actually his. So the guy was giving him the death stare because it really wasn't his. I initially thought that this guy saying, this is yours, make a signature, was a caretaker. <laughs> it's the first oh, thing that I came see. to mind. It was a school that was a creepy caretaker or something. There's a tunnel, and there's a bunch of pictures of these people. It was the backs of their, them, the paintings. And it's a mural of a bunch of people who just, they went missing recently. But the real question. And since we we had already seen this guy disappear and onto the wall, we pretty much knew what these things were from the yeah, beginning. Yeah, yeah. That's why I was like, well, hold on. Was it who who really painted him? Was it the was it the caretaker? Was it the graffiti artist? Was it the weird invisible creature from the beginning? Now, that's the thing. When when I saw them, I I had assumed you know that they were killed by the thing in the beginning, like we had seen before. But then they started talking like it was a mural, and I was like, wait a minute, I'm confused. Is this actually a mural, and is it like a, it's trying to throw us off? <laughs> I, was I thought it would, I thought it could possibly just be a mural, um, yeah. because it wasn't like the other murders or whatever, where it was inside yeah. their house where they died. It was just this random tunnel. Right. But we'll get to that in a second. Upon returning to the TARDIS, uh, Clara finds it even smaller on the outside <laughs> because the doctor can't even get out. It's way too small. It's like a toy. And he gives Clara the screwdriver and psychic paper through the small door of the TARDIS, and she uses it to hilariously tell people that she's the doctor. That was great. And she gets the graffiti artist. Whatever. What's his name? Roscoe. Roscoe's. All right. And she gets him to help her discover the secret to this mystery that they're involved with. And so she stuffs the TARDIS into her purse, and they go off. So basically, there's uh, there's been a lot of locked room mysteries, people disappearing inside their homes. The doctor figures they must still be in their homes, and somehow places a distinction that they are in the walls. Oh, that's not, that's not Roscoe. Riggsy. Riggsy. Yeah. Of course it is. Roscoe, I think, was the old creepy guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, the doctor somehow places some kind of distinction that they are, these victims are in the walls. He just figures that out. Mm -hmm. um, and so they run into a random police officer, and they go into one of the homes of one of the missing dead people, this 
officer gets swallowed by this invisible force, uh, which kind of looks like liquid gunk, like invisible liquid. And to avoid the same fate, Clara and Riggsy hop into some hanging chair and use it like a wrecking ball and swing out the window out of harm's <laughs> way. So they run back to the place where they were in the beginning, um, where the mural was, and they discover that they showed up. The the, pe- the painting of these people showed up when the people disappeared, but it's not, it's not actually the people. They are this creature, this liquid alien being. Um, it's like their home or something. This is where they hang out, and they are wearing the dead like camouflage. So they run, and and they kind of say that they are running from killer graffiti because they come to life, um, but they're still the liquid form of stuff. They're they're going around, they're flattening things as they go along. But before they do that, we find out that the creepy caretaker or whatever his name is, Roscoe. <laughs> is... I guess I I don't know. It's confusing. There's a bunch of different yeah. names on there because they had all those different people that were. You know, cleaning up the graffiti, and then they had the old guy, and then they got the guy in the beginning that died. I don't know which which is which really on here. I know I think Rigsby is the guy though, is the kid though. Yeah. Well, they find out that yeah, the creepy he the the guy the creepy guy is unaffected by the psychic paper. Yeah, because uh, the doctor says that basically he has no imagination. <laughs> he has no imagination. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, has this happened before a, a lot on the show? There have been smart people who haven't been able to see the psychic paper. Smart people. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, the, the the doctor suspects that this alien race isn't evil at all, that it's simply trying to reach out, and then that they're, two, they're a two-dimensional alien race, and their way of communication is through... Uh, flat planes, and somewhere along the way, that turned into flattening objects as a form of talking to people. But they—he has an idea that they have no idea that they're actually hurting people, actually killing people. Well, right, because he's—he's he's basically thinking they're two D, we're three D. They're trying to understand our world, but they're probably not having a good job at it. Um, they don't understand that we need three dimensions, that sort of thing. That's what he thinks. That, you know, it's a completely different dimension to them. So it just, it's it's hard to understand. So maybe they're not doing any of what they're doing on purpose. They or just, so he they just want to be loved. They just want a hug. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just killing us in the process. But I, I wouldn't say that this is the case, though. I, I, I don't. No. No, they're they're pretty much evil. So yeah, they're evil. Um, on their escape route, the doctor hands Clara a device of his own making. Kind of looks like a Game Boy with the camera. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what this is is a like de flattenizer. It's supposed to re the Tudis. The Tudis. It's supposed to bring <laughs> something that was two D in back into the three D realm. Now, did you think when you saw this, oh, oh, the doctor's going to use this to bring those flat people back to life? No. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess a part of me, like, but I was like, now nah, they're dead. They have to be dead. Yeah, I but, didn't know if they're dead or not, but I was thinking, okay, maybe they just turned them from 3D to 2D, and the doctor will just change them back from 2D back to 3D, and they'll be fine, just like he does, does with the door handle. Yeah. Uh, but he, yeah, he makes it specifically for flattened door handles for them to escape further. But this device doesn't work properly, 
And it seems to malfunction, but what it really did was it brought these 2D creatures into the 3D realm. Um, and they're freaking huge. <laughs> mm -hmm. When they're trying to decide how to escape because the, their device didn't work, a huge freaking hand grabs <laughs> one of the guy and just yanks him away. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty awesome, I think. I think when that happened, the show really got kicked into high gear. Uh, <laughs> I was like, well, I can't say I've really seen this in anything before. Uh, the, don't even think about, you know, Doctor Who. Let's talk about anything. Mm -hmm. That was weird, but cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Clara is given an updated version of the Game Boy camera. <laughs> and it allows her to get through the locked door. It, it deflattens it. And when they get to the other side of the door, she actually locks it again by flattening the door handle. I guess it has, you know, a reversed, a reverse button on it. Reverse the polarity. Right. But these creatures, they are now in pretty much human form. They're kind of like it. They're paintings. They're like flickers ha of. Have you ever seen? Um, this is this is what it reminded me of. If you've ever looked on um, YouTube, um, some people use the Connect, the Xbox Connect. Yeah. They, they get, like, three or four of them in a circle around a person, and they use computer software to kind of recreate that person in 3D using the four different camera angles. Yeah. And when that happens, it's never perfect. There's always flickery holes in, inside the person or, or on the edges of one side of the person or stuff like that. That's exactly what this reminded me of, and I thought maybe that's what they used to create this, but apparently they didn't. They did uh, do that. Pretty much the people were all CG. Uh, yeah, I figured they're probably CG. Um, yeah, but if you ever look that up, try looking up Connect um, videos on YouTube where people are using it to uh, create a 3D model of themselves in real time, and it, it looks very similar to that in a lot of places. Yeah. Well, anyways, yeah, these uh, these creatures, they're they're really creepy looking. Um, they're kind of like like what you said, but for people who may not be uh, familiar with that, it's kind of like in some paranormal shows or movies, like, the ghosts would flicker mm -hmm. um, when they're walking around <laughs> instead of just being a weird classic ghost. It, it would be a kind of, like, digital almost, where it's flickering in and off. And, and then their face is like a painting um, because mm -hmm. they're using the dead, this camouflage still. And they apparently have the ability to make things 3D as well. So they have the inner ability of a Game Boy uh, camera. Yeah, so even though Clara flattened the door handle, they could bring it back to life. And so they're pretty much screwed. Um, because in comes these zombie-walking alien creature painting things. The doctor thinks he has a good idea of how to send them back to their dimension while they're on their escape route. But the TARDIS doesn't have enough energy to actually do it. And before he could tell Clara how to do it, apparently, so the uh, Rox Roscoe, well, well, we'll just call him Roscoe. Uh, it, it, might, it might be Fenton. <laughs> He's creepy. Anyways, the creepy guy who has no imagination throws yeah. the TARDIS onto a Down path an empty of... empty abyss. Yeah, into an <laughs> abyss, which lands into the path of a moving subway train, a, a speeding one. Basically, the doctor's in real trouble. But the Clara... And Clara, Clara tells him to move the TARDIS uh, Adam's family style. Yes, he, do yes, he does. <laughs> uh, the doctor, basically what he does is he sticks his hand out of the door of the TARDIS, 
and he crawls away using the TARDIS like a uh, snail shell. Yeah. And then he's crawling away like Adam's family, the uh, it or whatever yeah. it was called. Or uh, thing. The thing. And he just crawls away. But it's just it's not enough. It's not enough. Uh, he's about to get nicked by the train, and he can't really afford to do that. So he flicks a, a lever in the TARDIS, which turns him into a, a cube of sorts. It was called uh, Siege Mode? Siege Mode? Something like that. Uh, well, I have to say, that that was a, that, that scene with the Adams Family hand and the... Uh, that yeah. was great. I, I was like, this is kind of corny, but it's like, with the music and the <laughs> suspense, it's kind of really cool, really epic kind of a feel. Um, yeah. Yes, yeah, it's weird. siege mode. Yeah, siege mode. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, the group of runners, they, they end up in a, in a subway tunnel. It's the same subway tunnel. And they decide to use a train to attack the creature's but long story short, doesn't work. It doesn't do anything but flatten the train. But I have to wonder, was I mean that was a long train. Was anybody else on the train but the conductor? <laughs> uh, we don't need to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would, I would assume so. But okay, um, maybe it was, maybe it was uh, just re- they were going to park it or something. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Um, but Clara, uh, on the train tracks, finds the TARDIS cube thing, and so she, she uh, gets Riggsy to use graffiti to fix the TARDIS, and what he does is he paints a fake flat door, and I guess they just tape it to the wall or something, and then the creatures think it's a real door. Yeah, so they, they use his, um, his graffiti, you know, he, he's an artist, so he paints a door to make it look like that they flattened the door or something. So that when they try to unlock it by bringing it back into 3D, instead, because there is no door there, their energy just goes straight to the um, small TARDIS and, and brings it back to life. It back to its gives original it, gives size. It energy. Gives it energy. Right. But before we go on, was I the only one thinking that he was going to paint a picture of a TARDIS and somehow they were going <laughs> to re-3D-alize this TARDIS and I don't know. But like then, they were going to uh, use the Game Boy camera on this painting of a TARDIS <laughs> and they were going to bring forth a real, a secondary TARDIS. Now that would bring some potential for some weird stuff in the future if they did that. <laughs> and then you have another <laughs> copy paint, of the just, Doctor. Uh, yeah, just paint whatever you want and turn it into real life. And then, yeah, the real Doctor dies, right? And then the the painting flickery doctor comes to life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. That's a that's a weird show right there. Um but no, they they do the thing where it revitalizes the real TARDIS, gets it out of its cube-like state, and out comes the doctor a swinging. He's sending the creatures back from which they came. What did he what was the name he called them? The boneless? Boneless, yeah, that's what they're called. Okay. I, I couldn't understand it at first cuz it was, was kind of hard yeah, to hear. Yeah, I but... had to uh rewind and um, see exactly what he's saying because he yeah, was. Yeah, but it, it, it was the boneless. Yeah, he was yelling and uh, and all that, which was probably his best speech of the season. Yeah, 
that was uh yeah it's probably the only so far yeah the, pretty much his only the, um he doesn't, he doesn't do very many much of that like matt smith used to do it all the time oh, but yeah. this is sort of his first matt smith moment <laughs> his first matt smith moment well all the doctors have had this charging effect that they've had this this charging yeah. speech of of strength and all that fun stuff and it had a very similar sounding you know the plant this plane is protected kind of a that deal. was matt smith's first speech which was at the end of his first episode the 11th hour right and it was very very similar to that speech yeah um, which is weird because usually Doctor doesn't really care that much, or at least he doesn't seem to care that much about human life. So that wasn't really uh, the focus of the speech. It wasn't about human life. I don't even know what it was about. Cause <laughs> well, I think he is starting to care a little bit more because she she said she was kind of like, oh, you know, tell them that they're going to be okay, lie to them because cause that's what you're, you would do, right? And he's like – and he – he doesn't just say, yeah, I would lie to them. He goes on to say, well, yeah, because, you know, if if they have hope, then maybe they have a stand a better chance at getting out of it. And things. they'll act faster well, and they won't dwindle. Of, right. Instead of just saying, oh, yeah, lie to them, uh, you know, whatever. But he's 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 actually given an OK reason for lying to them because he actually does want them to stand a better chance. And if they have that hope, then maybe they can stand a better chance. It's a little bit of, guess, of it's it's a little bit of a cold reasoning uh, when you think about it. But I mean, it's 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 calculated, but it's it's still a little cold. I think it's better than we've seen of him, and I think later on, um, towards the end, we get a little bit more of that as well. Yeah, um, which actually uh, I'll I'll bring that up later, um, but. Clara dis- uh, tries to get the doctor to say that she did a that she did good that she was a good doctor and the doctor says that she was an exceptional doctor, but that has nothing to do with goodness. Yeah. So uh, basically, she he's saying that she did a good job of what the doctor does, but she wasn't good in the sense that uh a good person as as a companion should be you know uh well not necessarily that but i think the doctor is seeing that he's making her a kind of a worse person for being with him and maybe in that seeing the bad aspects of himself Mm. that's what i think is going on there yeah um and then at the very end of the episode we got to see missy Somewhere, meanwhile in heaven, she's uh, says it, saying that she has chosen well, meaning something to do with Clara. Yeah, so basically, is Clara going to die next? <laughs> I don't know. I think she's going to like use Clara to maybe try to kill the doctor or something. Yeah. Because we're we're seeing a, a darker side of Clara as well, probably because the doctor himself is kind of a. Darker. She's getting she's getting more addicted to the uh, adventure. See, this is what I was thinking. Uh, this because this is the end of the episode. Uh, but I was thinking that what if we have kind of an opposite um, reaction thing going on here? What if um, what if Clara is the one going to go dark, and that kind of forces the doctor yeah. to be human a little bit more, and then bring her back onto the right I path. Think, I think of... that's exactly what's going on because she's getting worse of a person because being with a doctor and doing these adventures. 
And then I think the Doctor is becoming a better person because he's seeing that dark side of himself in Clara. And that's kind of forcing him to reflect on himself and kind of improve himself because of that. Yeah, it's a very uh, different kind of a feel than Doctor Who usually has. The companion's always the one to keep them sane or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, that may be happening here in a different kind of area, but it's kind of the same thing with him trying to keep uh, her sane. And again, we've seen this before with David Tennant and, um, like, Martha, how Martha was about to nuke the whole freaking planet because (laughs) (laughs) because, uh, everybody the Doctor travels with becomes a soldier in the end. He takes normal people and turns them into soldiers. And that's kind of what's going on here i think and and he's he's getting to see a little more of that yeah well i don't don't know it's just um she's she's had a quite an an adventure and uh everything from the very beginning um i think they're trying to make her character a little bit more interesting now that she's not really the impossible girl anymore Mm mm-hmm and that's what we that's what we have. Um, so the real question is, what's Missy planning to do with Clara? Is she trying to kill the get her to kill the Doctor? Is she trying to get the Doctor to be more evil? What's she trying to do? Um, and who is Missy? <laughs> um, is she gonna turn Clara? I mean, is she waiting for Clara to become this dark person and use her in some evil way? Right. Uh, some kind of brainwashing thing going on. Well, I don't know about that, but maybe she's going to take the natural uh, downfall of Clara <laughs> and take advantage of it. <laughs> yeah. But just how is the real question. Yeah. Um, well, we've, got, we've only got three episodes left. The next episode, I don't know what it is, but, um, but the two after that is a two-parter finale. I'm you're thinking Fairly. is it it's not the same day is it no 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 those are never on the same day no very rarely um but we don't have two parters anymore that's what i said uh stephen moffat said that he wasn't going to create a two-parter but the last two episodes of this season are marketed as the same story hmm that's interesting i wonder how they're actually going to do that if it will actually feel like a two-parter or if it will have this different kind of feeling right it could be something like um you know how the the episode where we where we see the master and then the next episode those are technically technically both part of the same story but they are really two different stories yeah i think it could be something more along the lines of that where it's sort of like a a cliffhanger it'll like end a story but then still have sort of a cliffhanger to the next episode maybe i mean hey i'll take it uh does steven moffat write both of them single-handedly or is he i didn't look that up so i don't Uh, know that's uh, that's what i'm wondering he always writes the finale though so i'm guessing it's probably both steven moffat i'm guessing he co-wrote maybe the second to last maybe um but other than that uh what did you think of the episode as a whole I liked it a lot. I I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, it wasn't exactly important a lot. I mean, it was to the degree of what's happening with. I think uh, it Clara. is. I think it's going to be more important than we think because of all the stuff that's happening with Clara, and then inside with the Doctor as well. Right, and then there's Mr. She, she Pink. got to step. She got to step in his shoes 
um, basically she gets to be the doctor and that it, it, it put something into her personality that, that the doctor might not be too proud of. And yeah, the thing with Danny, he was trying to call her the entire episode and she just kept rejecting his calls. That's right. She kept ignoring him because I don't even know why the real reason was because she didn't want to uh, face the reality of what she was doing. I don't know. She doesn't want to admit that she decided to stay with the doctor, maybe? Yeah. And then, of course, every time we actually see, like, uh, did we see Danny in this episode, or did we just think he called Yeah, he, he, did, he did call her when they were being attacked in the, um, oh, yeah, yeah. In the wrecking ball scene. And every single time we ever see him, he's just hanging out, he's always <laughs> reclined, and he's like, man, what's happening? Are you in, in danger? What's... That's cool. <laughs> like, I have no idea what ever happened to his personality, but I swear it has shifted. He just kind of phones it in for these last couple episodes. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's, like, high or something. <laughs> it's just, yeah. He's just, or drunk maybe, he's just drunk dialing her, like, man, what's up? You, you in trouble? <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's what's going on. That's what's happening in the episode. Um, as far as importance goes, I mean, obviously the most important would probably be, uh, Missy, the big mm -hmm. mystery there. They're not really po pulling a lot of focus on Missy, probably because it would probably feel a lot re really repetitive. Um, yeah, but I think that's good. It's a good balance. As long as they keep coming back to and reminding us that something is going on over there, then I'm good. Uh, if they just ignore every until single, the last second. I think there's been, I think there's been something that connects every single one of these episodes, and I'm really happy about that. Well, I think some of the episodes, even, completely... even if it, I don't know, I thought some even of the if episodes it's a... ignored it. It's not all Missy. Every every episode has something that connects to the overall story, whether it's Missy. Or it's um, the the aspect of the soldier, or it's something about you know the darkness of the doctor. It's that I think those are the three kind of, and I think the darkness of the doctor and the soldier thing kind of go to hand in hand together. But I think all of it is connected, and there's been at least one of those things in every single episode this season. I'm thinking that as far as writing goes, this has been. The best season since I don't know season five or something. Five, like that. yeah. Five. Um, not so much of I I don't know how much I liked. It depends on how it pays off, though. Yeah, obviously. how much I like the season, how much I like the characters is a completely different story. But writing is on the right path. That they're getting back to the uh, the origins, the uh, the classic feel of Doctor Who, which is a good sign. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously Stephen Moffat had a lot more writing and influence this season that might be part of it um, but yeah I don't know I'm not complaining I, I, I like how it's going I'm, I'm still it, I'm definitely warming up to Peter Capaldi mm -hmm. um, I liked him a lot in this episode especially this all, the, all that stuff Especially that stuff with him, like, sticking his face in the small door and sticking his hand through. That was funny, yeah. I liked um, all that stuff. I think this m might be one of his best episodes. Um, I think so, yeah. Just as uh, a character-based 
version. But then again, he didn't have a lot to do with the episode because he was pretty much stuck in the TARDIS the entire time. Mm -hmm. So we haven't seen a lot of his um, action other than running around the TARDIS frantic. and. <laughs> but that's like, always fun. <laughs> we have to do this! We have to do that! And, uh, of course, obviously, that doesn't give him a lot of space. But then again, it gives Clara a lot. What do you mean? There's acres and acres. <laughs> that we never see. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just waiting for the TARDIS to run out of space. It's infinite. It can't remember be. Journey, remember Journey to the Center of the TARDIS? I remember the episode, but... And they, they, going they, said through... it was in... they said it was infinite. That doesn't even make sense. But we have run out of time for Smaller on the Outside. The uh, the next episode, I don't know what title it is, but it is on the 25th of October, which will be the last episode of the month. We'll see you next time on that one when we talk about the 10th episode. And uh, you can catch us on Smaller on the Outside, uh, which is on Soto podcast.wordpress.com it's also on stitcher and itunes and podomatic obviously uh but you can also get a hold of us on facebook twitter reddit give us a follow subscribe to us give us a comment we'll give you a shout out as well and we will catch you next week on smaller on the outside my name is dave and i am the time lord and is with me as always is Andy. Who was and is the companion. Um, Who was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that's why I said was and is. So I see. we'll catch you next week. Peace out. Peace out. Thank you for listening to Smaller on the Outside. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and visit our webpage at sotopodcast.wordpress.com.